0: Good evening, 8.40, tonight we're learning, and uh, we're going to be starting halfway down, or halfway up, on chafa mebez, really just above the halfway mark at the words, this is a brysa, and what we're going to be discussing now is some of the precursor work that needs to be done before a kohen would begin his work as a kohen. Uh, this Brysa will then lead into a whole slew of other sugyas, and we're going to be ending at the bottom of Chafala from at Halacha Gimel, and then tomorrow uh, for the Seum we'll start right there and then finish up the pair. the Seum is at 8, we'll be starting Dafiomi punctually at 840 at Mark's House, 2910 Birchwood, and uh, if anyone wants to sign up, we still have, uh, we, still, we still have the ability to Add to the food because it's hot dogs, hamburgers, and ribs. It's not so complicated, so we'll be able to add. So let's get started. the <laughs> base, just about halfway down. Let's go. When a coin would begin to do his avoda, he'd begin to do the service in the Mishkan. He would first have to bring the assiri aifa, a tenth of, a, of an eph of flour, it was considered a korban esque type of uh, type of hava, and he would make it himself. Says the Gemara, Echad Kohen Gadol, Kohen whether or not you're talking about the Kohen Gadol or a Kohen Hedyot, Sha'avdu. What happens if they did their Avodah but they forgot? It's kind of like punching in when you get to the office. But let's say they forgot to do the Asiru Sa'efah of their own, says the Gemara, says the B'risa, halfway down, Avodas It doesn't invalidate all of the Avodos that they did. In the absence of the Asir Sa'ifa, yes, it should be done, but it is not, as we say in the learning world, it is not Le'ikuvah, it is not Ma'akev, the avoda of that day. And even if they did not bring the Asir Sa'ifa, the halacha is that it would still be perfectly kosher. The Gemara continues halfway down on Chafim Adveze as follows. Rabbi Mana he asked the follow by Meimar, he wanted to say the following. nisman gadol. Let's say that a coin comes into the office. He comes into the Beis HaMikdash. He's about to start as Abodah. And then he finds out he's also going to become the Kohen Gadol. Oh, that's a great day. You got a nice promotion. You go from being a regular coin to a Kohen Gadol. Now, in the times of the second Beis HaMikdash, a lot of Kohanim died. It was not Kishmak. A lot of, of Kohanim Gadolim died. So not a a thing to be a Kohen Gadol. So with, uh, with, with great power comes great responsibility. There were a lot of people who did not make it. Anyways, what would happen in this case when a coin who would come to uh, the Beis HaMikdash found out that not only was it his Mishmar, but also that he was the coin goddess So the halakh, maybe Stein, he would then have to bring, <laughs> he would then have to bring, he would then have to bring two uh, Siri Saifas. I distracted myself. I've never done that before. <laughs> Got the, this is like surround time. So maybe, that the Kohen would have to bring two Asiri Sa'ifahs, one for his uh, new appointment, and one because he's a Kohen, he's doing his avoda, uh, and that is the end of that price The Gemara now speaks in detail about the Asiri Saifa, and the Gemara points out that there's a strange word in the Pasuk. The Pasuk, the Pasuk has the words tufine, and in reading the whole Pasuk, the Pasuk reads, where did it go? Here it is. The post agrees as follows. So what does the word tufine mean? So it says the Gemara, we're gonna define this word. halfway down on that when it is brought, it should be tufine, it should be baked. It says if it's gonna be brought in the afternoon as the first time. It seems to imply that it wasn't gonna be baked in the morning. However, Vatanin and Ha'amidu, it doesn't in the Mishnais and Tamid, Ha'amidu osechavitin, someone was appointed in the morning to, to go make these foods. So it seems like it was baked in the morning. So which one was it? Was the Asiri Sa'ifa baked in the morning or was it not? The answer is the Gemara, Amrebchia baracha, asoscham and the Mish the mission, Tamid, was only coming to teach us that he came there to boil the water, not really to actually do the baking of. The, uh, the Asiris "I said, no, it's not a contradiction. Yes, it was baked in the evening and not in the morning. says the Gemara, what does the word tufine may, mean? It's a very strange word, not like a regular word you find in the Torah. So you wanted to say bake, say teofena. We have that, uh, let's say afia We have that as a Pesach in Chumash somewhere. It so says the Gemara, tufine, rev b'shem metagnova chanina, ofe osa. It says, first you fry it and then you bake it. Uh, Tigun in halacha, fascinating. Shaila in halacha. Do we consider tigun, which is frying, to be eligible for the iser of basr b'chalav? The nafkemina. The nafkemina would be if you own stock in McDonald's. So we know, of course, that basr b'chalav is an iser deraisa to make, an iser deraisa to eat, and an iser deraisa to get hanafra. That's why it says the pasuk in the Torah three times. The tour in Shulchan Aruch and Yoradea identifies these three psukim and says what each of them are all about. So can you get hana? Can you be a beneficiary of the stock market of owning? Well, it depends. Because is it really bishel? Bishel is cooking in a liquid medium. It's like taking cheese and putting it in a chalent and stirring it all up. That's mamish bishel. But what about tigun? It's a frying pan, right? And you have your hamburger and you put a piece of cheese on top. Is that considered bishul d'oraisa? Or is that just considered tigun, which is not bishul d'oraisa? What's the difference? Hana, can you get benefit from it? Because the only time that the Hana of Basr B'chalav is problematic is when the Bishal was problematic. So if the Bishel is not Bishal and it's Tigun, so the Postgim discussed that. That's an interesting child. Anyways, in regards to this case, Rabbi Yassa says that first it was fried and then it was baked, the Asiris Ha'ifah, and Ravacha B'Shem, Rabbi Chanina, Ofeu Sabeacharkach Matagna. He says the opposite, that it was actually first baked and it was then fried. So we there's it was double double cooked, right? I don't using cooked in the and a loose term. First and foremost, it was either fried and then baked, or vice versa, it was baked and then fried. Machlokes in the Gemara. And we're gonna connect this to the following machlokas. It says the Gemara two-thirds of the way down, from the base, to fine. Here's what the plan words actually means. Te'afena na. It should be cooked, na. You guys remember what na means from a sachis Partially cooked. Word na means partially cooked. It's not fully cooked, it's still, it's still a ways to go. Rebbe Omer, however, teafena is uh, teafena nae. It should be made beautiful. And says the Gemara that these are connected machlokos. Rebbe Doso Omer teafena riva. This is the third chita, and then we'll connect the machlokos. Rebbe it says it should be teafena riva. It should be cooked uh, in multitude. It should be cooked in many ways. So he says that some should be this way, some should be that way. So it should be cooked a lot. And then says the Gemara as follows elaine palgivasa this first makhloqet is kihinen palgivasa it's like the second makhloqes how are they all connected manda according to the one who says that it should be it should be baked beautifully that's kemanda amar ofe that first you should bake it first because when you first fry something it gets blackened at the bottom so that's not beautiful that's not na so if the word tufine means tefana na then it's implying that you should first bake it cuz then at least it looks good Fine. But the other way is not true. No, that it should be partially cooked. He doesn't care if it looks as nice. And that is ke'man Omar mit'agna v'achar kachofa. And the Gemara connects those two machlokos to say uh, that the one who thinks that it should look nice, the afia comes first. The one who says it should be partially cooked, the frying, the tibun, comes first. Now we were speaking about this uh, Kohen who has an obligation to bring the Asiri Saifa. so the Gemara says as follows, Lo Sof Davar Shemes is the only case where his family members or where the Tsibor would have to bring something on his in his stead is if he dies. Ela afilu nitzma afilu mimum. Let's say that a Kohen is removed from his avoda because he becomes Nameh or let's say that he's nircha because he has a mum Right? Uh, he gets injured in such a way where, halachically speaking, he has a mum. So answers the Gemara, Tani, and skip the parentheses, tani. He agrees that even if it's nidchem that that would be a reason why someone else should bring a korban on behalf of this particular koin. How do we know that in a scenario where a coin gadol dies, and they have yet to appoint a new kohen gadol. that his korban has to be brought Michel yorshim from his family members and not from the actual beis hamikdash fund. Right? Remember what we've been talking about for the last twenty. blot effectively is budgeting. We've been talking about money, the income and the expense lines of the beis hamikdash. Okay. Well, this happened all the time that a kohen was passed away during his avodah as a kohen gadol. So now we're saying it's Shell yorshim. How do we know that the beis hamikdash is not? Responsible for paying that, its family members answers the Gemara ten lines from the bottom of Chafamad Beis Hamalomar Osa. Very clear, the Pasuk writes that from his children Mi Osa that it should come from his children. Maybe we should only bring half because. Um, because th- there's no need to bring the whole one he died he made part of his shift was over so he should only bring half tamalomar osa kula amarti the widows is of the opinion that no that even if he were to to die we would still bring the full asiri saifa president omer el I disagree. the your don't pay for it who pays for the asiri Sa'ifa, the korban that needs to be brought in after a Kohen Gadol dies, says the Gemara, that does not come from the family, that comes from the budgeting of the Beit HaMikdash. The bris is not with the Kohen Gadol, the bris is with Klal Yisrael. And because the bris is Krusa with Klal Yisrael, that the Beit HaMikdash should serve as a kapara. So therefore, they are the ones who should pay for it, for the Kohen Gadol. And that's why they're going to be obligated. It's not the yorshim of the Kohen Gadol. So that's the Machlokas, Rav Shimon, Rib Yehuda. Rib Shimon is the one who says it's going to be and we're going to come back to his sheet momentarily. Finishes up the, the drush of Rib Shimon, Khalil Toktar, that it should be fully um, offered to a Kodesh Baruch, Khalil Lahaktar. The whole thing goes up on the uh, on the Kohen Gadol Shamei says the Gemara three lines from the bottom. Wait a minute. He says, wait a minute. De Reb it seems to be that the sheet of Rib Shimon needs to be switched around. Why? Because Taman over there, namely, in the b'risa that we just read a few lines ago, what did Rab Shimon say? Oh, I'm sorry, in our, is it a different Mishnah, not here, this, sorry, I quoted that wrong. Taman over there in another Mishnah, Amar Michel Yorshin, that the children of the coin God will have to pay when he needs to bring a korban. in the b'risa that we just saw above, Amar Michel Tsibor. so which one is it? You can't have it both ways. We have to decide, Tachas, where is the money coming from? The coin Gadol died, and, you ha- and he- there was no Minui in his place, and no one else has been appointed. Who's paying for the korban of the Asir Saifa? So Reb Shimon can't say both. You have to pick one. So, Answers the Gemara. Last two words on Chafamud Beis. Amir, Chia, turning to the top of Chafal, from Bar, ba below yehusumaksha. Isn't that a great question? I don't think we've ever seen this in Babli. <laughs> it's a great line. Somebody has a question, and then the Gemara bothers to spend the time like, yeah, Taka? That's a, that's a really good question, but that's what it means right here. Take a look at, at the Korban Ha'idah on the top of the page. Oh, beautiful. And then he gives another chat that no, it's So there's a machlokas as to what's actually going on here. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's not so posh as to what's going on here, but the Pashtus of the Gemara seems to be, when you read it in, in its flow, it seems to be that it really is. It seems to be that he's asking a good question. Anyways, really, halachically speaking, everyone agrees Rabshim Shimon is asking that on a Torah level, who's obligated to pay? For the korban of the Kohen Gadol who dies, the answer is the tzibor. We're going to include the parentheses here much smoother with the parentheses than, than without. Third line, <inaudible> and <inaudible> <inaudible> but once they saw that yes, the tzibor was obligated to pay, but it was really hurting the finances of the Beis Emiktas because so many Kohan and Gadolim were dying, unfortunately. <inaudible> then they instituted against the Dindal Raisa, not in contrast, it's not us or for other people to pay for it, but it's at, if no one else would pay for it, then the mikdash would have to pay. Then they changed, changed gears a little bit, and they said that now the Yorsham of the coin gadol would have to pay. Are so now they're the the talking about the Asir Sa'ifa, uh, which is a flower-based korban that, the, that he would uh, have, have to bring. Break the bank flour? It wasn't just that. It was also with oil and it was also with uh, with wine. It was uh, whatever it was. I don't, I don't know how to answer that question. I don't know what the dollar value was on a Serzeifa. Um, but it was the, 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 the Mefortim right that there were 300 Kuan and who died. And the budget was tight to start with. So it's not like, you know, they were already, this was. You know, wait, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I don't have a real answer for you, Gerald, but as I reflect back on the last many blood and seeing what goes where, the budget was uh, pretty sophisticated. I don't know, you think your question's better than my answer, but anyways, the Gemara says that when they saw the Midcha Kalishka fourth line, so then that really they should be collecting from the families The that can't handle the finances once they saw that the families were being irresponsible and negligent with this, then they changed back to hitzkinu. and this is the new Shimon. so he it flip-flopped. Shimon first wanted it to be, uh, he really wanted it to be what the Pasek was in Chumash, that it should be from the Mishkan, but it was very hard on the budgeting, so then they ended up switching to the Yorshim, and then they flipped back because the Yorshim were not doing their obligations, they weren't uh, it's so hard to imagine it's so hard to imagine living in a time of the base samikdash and not being excited about like doing the avoda. i mean listen it's like anything else that we get used to like we don't always daven in and shul nicely because we're like we're used to it you know but it, i just it's like so hard on the brain to imagine that this was a gift they were negligent on bringing a korban. just uh, it's not a judgment it's just hard to understand it says the gemara fifth sixth line what is the din in the following Shlema would they bring the full Asiri Afa in the morning and another full one in the afternoon when they were doing so on behalf of the Kohen Gadol who passed away? Oh, Shleima min or the full one in the morning and then nothing in the afternoon. They brought the whole Asiri Saifa, but they didn't split it. And then the Gemara says, te even if you think it's so obvious, to which implies that we should give the whole thing. Uh, even if that's true, fine. Then what about the oil? Do we say It's three lugan for each, both morning and afternoon. Afternoon. Oh, do we say Logu divided in half 1.5 chakras with and then the Gemara says we have to ask even more because we also added Lavona, which was frankincense to this korban. And it says, mm-hmm. We even need to ask here, the Gemara here says, and we've seen it's already in this Mesechda, that in this case, the word means to ask. We also have to ask on the following, how do we know the right amount for Levona? Mahin, do we say shnei komsen or shnei komsen that the Levona that we add to this korban, we do two kmitzahs. Remember what we said, a kmitzah is a grip and then open the pinky and the thumb, whatever's in the palm of your hand under your middle three fingers. Do we do two of those throws or do we do four of those over the course of the day? Oh, do we say bain Just that an aggregate, it needs to be two kmatzen, but it doesn't have to be two at a time, just one in the morning, one in the afternoon. So the Gemara starts to answer some of these questions a third of the way down. Klumla Don't we learn all of this from Komten, Komten. This Gemara is very difficult because it's a very subtle detail. But a couple of blatt ago, this Gemara was quoted differently. It's So the Mafreshim are somewhat bothered by this line. Um, and I think the gra here adds in the word chaser to try and compensate for some of the gears. Nevertheless, the Gemara of here seems to indicate that we learn from Minchas Chotein. Yes, it should be shnei kmitzas. it should be two kmitzas of Levano. Uh Skipping the parentheses, Amar Lamdu, Lugin, We also learned about the Shloshes lugin. we learned that from the Korban Tammid. Ma'al Ha'al Shloshes Lugin, Lugin, we need to do three at a time. So that's the Gemara. That's our answer. Matamon Just like over there, we asked that question. Afkan sri We asked the same question by the Tamid. We're going to ask the same question over here. So basically, we have some of our answers. And it seems to be we have some of our answers about how this Asir uh, Seifa would be brought on behalf of the Kohen Gadol, um, based on uh, the different sigas of connecting Minchas to our case of Asir Seifa and connecting the Tamashub in Har to our case of Asir Seifa. we the two dots halfway down in Chafalaf and heading toward the end of another parrot. uh no yes yeah, what is this talking about it says the gemara that if you were to, if you look back in the mishnah on khaf we said that one of the gzeras that they made is that there would be no meila by the eifer haparah that's what this gemara is referring to okay let's dig in really there is me'ila. By the by the animal itself, by the chattas itself, by the animal who, who, which is the paraduma, yeah. they wanted to make a that there was no meila. Hold on one second. The chattas itself is the Khatas itself, the paraduma. That is the animal upon which there's meila. But only in the animal. But there is no meila with the afer hapara. So hold on one second. Mida Raisa, there's no Meila with the Eifer but our Mishnah says that they made Xerah that there would be no Meila by Eifer You We don't need your Xerah. That's Pasuk and Chumash. The Pasuk and Chumash already implies that by the Eifer that there is no problem of Meila. So what was going on in our Mishnah that we thought that there should be the removal of the concern of Meila by the Eifer Apara? Answers the Gemara, six lines before the end of the Perah. Kamar Rabbi Barishona, Hayu Kishin, Mishtakshikin, what they would do is they would take the Afar Hapara because it had healing powers. They were They were misusing again, hard to fathom. They were misusing the Afar Hapara. They had a bad wound. They knew that there was something miraculous about the Afar hapara They would grab a little mix it with water, make it a little pasty, and put it on a wound. So because people were mis- misusing it, then the Gaz or Shaimaluba, they made a Dindaraban a rabbinic injunction against the use of the Efer HaPara for purposes other than Tum because people were using it to heal wounds. And then they they undid that zera That's our Mishnah. Let's see the next line. Keiva once we saw the people began to put together back up, they started to be a little more strict and they stopped using the Efer HaPara for healing their own wounds. Gazru shalom yimaluba. They undid the gzeira that there should be meila, and said, okay, we're back to where we should be, that really there is no iser of meila." And that is the, the way we explain our Mishnah. Why does our Mishnah say that by the Efer Aparah that there's no Mi'ilah if the Pusik says that? Because people were misusing it. So they instituted Xeradir that there is Mi'ilah, and then they undid Xeradir And now uh, we're back to where uh, Back in the day, at that time, once they put up the appropriate Gidarb to stop using it as uh, some type of salve for an injury, all went back to normal that there's no Isra Mi'ilah what about the the money that was given for birds and uh, we saw this Gemara already it's just quoted here in the appropriate context we saw this just a couple of days ago that if a woman were to give money as Kenan if she were to give money for a korban for a bird let's say she was a Yoladas she had a baby and after her, uh, her Yemei Tohar she brings a korban wonderful the problem is that she gave money let's say she gave Daladzus which the Gemara says is the price of a, of a bird and then the bird supplier brings in a bird but the bird is puzzled What's she going to do for her kapara, her kapara? That was, she has to get that for her yoleda. She was not going to be yote if the animal's puzzle. So then she gave her four zoos. good for her. But the animal that was supplied doesn't uh, doesn't have uh, the right standing. The animal's psul. So how does she get her kapara? So Amar Yitzchak t'nai He. It's a t'nai bezden to make sure that Chitaka does get her kapara. es akinin, Here's how it worked. Let's say that I was a provider of chickens and birds to the base of HaMikdash. They would take all of the money divisible by four because every chicken was four. They'd give me, let's say they'd give me, uh, they give me eight uh, zoots. So I have to provide them with two birds. I give them two birds. One of them ends up being absorbed. That's on me. I'm the seller of the birds. That's on me. I gave you a bad bird. So I have to bring you another one to make sure that that woman gets her Kapara. She paid to get the Keenan. She paid to get the bird so that for her, you'll let this korban that she could become Tahora. She can get her Kapara, not Tahora. So she can get her Kapara. So says the Gemara, yeah, don't worry about it. When the Kohanim would bring a bird, if the bird was Ipsul, then it would have to be replaced, and another hakrava would be made in order to make sure that she would get what she needs. Hadron, Allah, yeah. Perak, Mos, and We should come back to this daf in seven and a half years. We're now learning the final Perak, Orch Hashem. Yeah, I don't think we ever should have said three. It just kind of came out of my mouth the first time. If you make a kazaka that's Pito's, I think you're probably Okay. So it says the Gemara, this is going to be speaking about um, saliva. Uh, and what's happening over here is something that we've learned about already, which is that a zav and a zava, the saliva of a zav and a zava, the roko bezovo, the Gemara says, I think this is in Mashacha Shabbos, maybe? Roko of, of a zava has the same status as, as the zav or the zava. So if a zav or a zava spits, that has the same status in halacha as the zav himself or herself. So it's a very high level of status. And as well, and this is really what we're going to be focusing on, is that midra this is very important. It'll be very hard to understand the Gemara without this. midra we treat the Nahri as though they are, have a status of zavzir just like the rope, just like the spit. So that's where the Gemara comes in very importantly here. It says, the Mishnah opening up two-thirds of the way down, three-fourths of the way down, Amar at the new perek, kol harokin, HaNim I mean, Tzayim Yerushalayim. If anyone sees that there is some spit on the ground, halacha is Horin, it's not problematic. Except for the upper shuk, a very particular location, as we will see soon in the Gemara, that that area was what treated as problematic. If they found Roke there, that would be problematic. Throughout the year, here is how people would walk down the street because most people were tummy, they got the majority of the road. They would walk in the middle of the road. Again, not like our streets, they'd walk in the middle of the road, and the people who were Tahu would walk on the sides. Vishat haregel was inverted at the times of the beis HaMikdash, when people were bringing korbanos chagiga korbanos pesach whatever animals they were bringing shebeemtzutahorin because of whatever the majority was now most people are tahor because they have to bring a korban you have to make sure that you're tahor to bring the korban so you are tahor she mipnei the whoever is the minority group they would walk on the sides of the street so if most people were tahor the twain would walk on the side most most people were tahmin we'll see in the gemara how they communicated with one another we'll see in this mishnah. How they communicated with one another. It says the Gemara, uh, it's the Gemara, not in this Mishnah, but we'll get to it. it. Says the Gemara, second half of the Mishnah, call out Hanim Tsaim Say, walking down the street, you find a kli. It's a Tameh, it's a Tar. The it says the Gemara, Derechirido lebeisat it's main. If you see, yeah, or go to the mikveh, Kalem mikveh, people have boxes and plastic, right? all stickers everywhere, right? So let's say you're walking into the mikveh, and uh, and you see on the way in, you see a kli. The halacha is. Uh, that that one would be tummy, but the derech aliyah looked uh, aliyah to horim, but on the way out it wouldn't be problematic, and here's the key line, ridasan aliyasam, they had a, a different exit than the entrance. So the mikvah that we have here on Tui for the keil mikvah is one entrance in and out, it's one room. So a, we well, <laughs> they didn't have a separate keil mikvah. But whatever they had set up, they had an, an in-room, and then they come out on the other side, and that helped solve this problem. The fact that they had an entrance uh, on one side, the mikvah, and then an exit on the other side solved this problem, which is that if you found the cleat going into the mikvah, somebody dropped a spoon on the way into the mikvah, and it's, it's still tamay. But on the way out, you can assume that they already brought it to the mikvah. It's a halakhic assumption. And the spoon that you find on the other side of the mikvah, on the exiting door, so then the halacha is that that's not problematic. Shaloki, Ridasa, and Aliyasa. They had different doors for the Uridah to go into the mikvah, as they would to go out of the Kaleb kelim- mikvah. Rabbi absolutely not, Kulam, all kalem are considered to be fine. If to get into the lungs, why would he say such a thing? If it's on the path, on the way to the mikvah, it should be Tameh. Anyways, he says, it's not Tameh. What is Tameh? It's the only exceptions to that which should be Tameh. The only things that are actually Tameh are, lekvaros. these were tools that they used for burial. So each one is different. Sal is a basket, a is a type of rake, a is type of hammer, and all of these were meyuchad for Kvaros, so I I don't know what the equivalent would be for today. A shovel is not unique to anything. I don't know if there are any unique tools, maybe. But either way, uh, that was the only exception. Big Machlokas in the Tanay, Rev and Rev Meir. Reb Meir says anything on the way into the mikveh would be problematic. Rev Yossi says those are not problematic at all. What about a saking? We saw this Gemara quoted elsewhere. If you find the knife, shenimtses dalit on the 14th of Nisan, on that day, by then, says the Gemara, says the Mishnah, you can assume that that is tahor, shochet bamiyad. You don't have to do any tefillah. You find a shchita a knife. Um, and you have to shecht it, you have to shecht an animal, you can pick it up, you can use it, it's Yud Dal Nisan. However, Bishlocha if you find it on Yud Gimel Nisan, the day prior to Erev Pesach, well, maybe the uh, shoche didn't have time to be tovel, and therefore shona you have to make sure that you, um, you have to make sure that you are going to tovel it again. Kofitz, a Kofitz is a meat flavor. However, important to note, this meat cleaver was not serrated it was a regular shrita knife a shrita knife today and uh, all shrita knives forever are always one smooth blade they're not serrated like we see on some of our knives because that uh, would possible would the animal most likely because it it can cut in a bumpy way it can cause for a nick it can cause for some problems so anyways the way that's why even if there's one tiny little nick in a knife if you see that and then you do a shrita the animal's an a and that's really problematic so that's why the Gemara in writes that a, a shochet has to check the shkita knife of bisra ve'atufra. He checks the knife on his flesh and on his nail. So he'll take, if this is a knife, he'll check it on his thumb, like running it on the side of the blade to make sure there's no nicks on both sides. And then he'll take the blade and run it on his nail, straight on his nail. It doesn't hurt if you've got good nails. Um, and if you feel any nicks, you're not allowed to do the shkita. So here we're not talking when it says kofi, two lines from the bottom on it's not talking about a serrated knife we're talking about a knife that they're planning to use for shita it just happens to be that it's a meat cleaver also so there are different kinds of knives if you if you've ever seen shita knives for a chicken they're pretty small they look about this big they're they're gorgeous they're perfectly they're perfectly cut and they're extremely sharp i mean they, the animal does not don't it's so smooth Literally one cut and it'll cut straight through, perfect. But for cows, they're huge meat cleavers. They're huge enough gaminas in the size between a chicken and a cow. You can't know they're huge. So the kofitz would be more like the one used for a cow. Either way, if it's a kofitz, <speaking in Spanish> buy a kofitz, which is a meat cleaver, which is not what's normally used for shrita. So that has to be to- toveled even if you find it on your dalet. <speaking in Spanish> what, you fi- what if the 14th was Shabbos? So now you can't take it to the mikvah because to take it to the mikvah, just like you can't take Caleb to the mikvah on Shabbos because that's considered to be Machiavah Pontish. You just made this a functional cleave. We don't take Caleb to the Caleb, mikvah on Shabbos. So, Shila, why do you like to take yourself to the mikvah on Shabbos if it's Matahir? You, fine, whatever. So, that's what the Gemara says that if it's on Chal Arbas or Shabbos, then Shoche even the kofits you're allowed to do the Shkita on, that takes us to the top of Chafala from the base to speak about one more iteration, which is Bitesvav. What is the 15th? Can you use that shchitanaq? Shochit bamiyad, no problem. You're allowed to do that, even if it was not, uh, even if Friday was not, even if Yodalad was not, chaliyos b'shaliz. But nimstak shura l'sakin, let's say that they're both the Shrita knife and the kofits, the meat cleaver are on the same ring, they're connected to one another. You can assume the halacha is the same of one as it is with the other. Nimstak shura l'sakin, Harehi kisakin, halacha is the same. Then the Gemara, what was going on in the upper uh, in the upper Shuk? It says uh, Michel Shuk Elyon. Yeah. There, Rav Meir says that the Roke is problematic. What was going on there? And this is where we run into this din that we saw. The Gemara opens two lines from the top of Chafalat Hamadezer, Rabban Beshemri, and Levi, and Shel Nachrim Hayasham. There was like a laundry, a laundromat, some type of place where they were doing laundry, and that's where all the Nachram hung out. And remember the din der that we treat a Nachri like a Zav. This is among many other rabbinic injunctions between us and Nahrim to ensure that there are certain, uh, like the Shulchan Aruch writes by, uh, by Bishul Akum, Mishum Chasnus we don't want our children to intermarry. So fine, so we have a lot of guidelines. This may so well be connected. You, you could uh, if you touch them, they're like they're not, they, they spit like, on you. So they spit on you? Yeah, the rogue has the same so if thing. If he touches the it's no problem. They're I think it's too much, I think if they like sit on something like too much madras, I think that's how it works, I'm not totally sure, not, not very sure, not sure. Anyways, here's a dindarabana. that's why he said by in the in the upper, uh, in the upper, what's it called, the Shuk Elion, that there were, it was considered problematic because there was a laundromat there and there was a lot of Nahrams and there we had the dindarabana. There was a particular area where the non-Jews were doing Nikhira, as mentioned, I think yesterday, uh, a couple of days ago, Nikhirah is a is the way we kill animals that isn't halachic. So this was done by going. They were killing animals because they wanted to cut the meat and give them to lions. That's what the Meforshimir point out for the king. The Gemara says it's a little bit hyperbolic; it wasn't actually the case, but it says that there was a lot of blood up to their ankles, so it doesn't mean that there was that much blood. Same lashon from but by by, by the Korbanos know, in the, exactly right. So it's a very strange language to use as a in a comparative because we're talking about uh, we're talking about non-kosher animals that were being fed to other non-kosher animals, but nevertheless, adarku was it, that it was a lot of blood. So everyone who was near that blood had a Shiloh. Is that blood make me tummy? I'm going to the base, I make It's Yerushalayim, it's Shasa Regel. And I, I just walked through the street. I stepped in the blood of the donkeys, the Arudos, that they were cutting up to feed to the lions. Am I tummy? So they asked a Shiloh, voh, lef, and five lines down, velo, Dover. They didn't say anything problematic at all, no problem at all. And this brings us back to a story that we saw in this masakta in full. So this part we can uh, do a little quickly. It says the Gemara as follows, six, seven lines down, right after the parentheses, Reb Simon, there was a uh, mule or a donkey in front that belonged to Rebbe that died. And there, uh, some of the Gedolim there said that they said that the blood of this animal, some of the blood exited the body when the animal died. They said, it's no problem. You're not Tommy Mishum So Rebbe Lazar, Sholot, Simon. Rabbi Eliezer was sitting there. He's like, Rabbi Simon, you got to give me a shot. Rabbi Simon was the one who quoted Rabbi Yoshov and Levi. And he says, tell me, what's the shear Ad comma uh, How much blood is not problematic? But Rabbi is, how much a gallon? What are we talking about? So says the Gemara that Rabbi Simon ignored him. Below Agive, he didn't respond. to in Hebrew is a response. He didn't respond to him. So Shaila Rabbi and Levi went over his head. Rav Simon, quoted of Yoshev and Levi, so Rabbi Lozzer went to the source. He went to Rabbi Yoshev and Levi and said, "Okay, I'll ask him instead." Amar Le Ad Rabis Tahr Yoser Mikan Tame. So Rabbi Yoshev and Levi answered him. The amount that isn't problematic is up to Rabis. But if Mamish Ada Arkubo saying, if your Mamash stepping in, you know gallons and gallons, it's going to be a big problem. You're going to be Tame, and that's a big problem for the base and mikdash. So Rabbi Elazar was annoyed that uh, that Rabbi Simon didn't answer. Him. Rabbi the Rabbi, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Simon Shmosa was Sab annoyed that he didn't get an answer from him. And similarly, the following story also took place where the answer was not given. Rabbi Haba Mas he was sitting and learning and he repeated this story about the Pir-Dashel-based Rabbi that had died and he said Rabbi Yitzchak Barbizna says to Rabbi Bibi. How much blood is pl- problematic? Um, our lay, do we say, A'd ravis, ta-har do we use the Revis as the threshold at which point the dam of becomes problematic? So less is fine, but more than a Revis or more is problematic. And uh, what did Revis answer him? Nothing. Not Revis. What did Rabbi answer him? He says nothing. Uh, but they kicked him. Uh, it doesn't mean literally, he just kind of brushed him off and he didn't answer the Shaila. Amar le Rav Zirika, Rav Zirika was watching this uh, interaction. He's like, what, what are you doing? Begin to have a Shalah because he, he came over to ask you a at Advaid be. Every time somebody asks you a shila, you, you kick him out of the room. What's going on here? Answer a shayla. What are you kicking him out of the room for? He's, he's a Talmud. He's asking Rebbe Shalah. Answer him. What's the problem? So Amar le says, I'm sorry. Uh, my head's not with me today. Begin delo uh, hava My emotions are all over the place. Why? Because he was thinking about something totally unrelated. We're asking the Shiloh of how much Dhamma of an is problematic. His brain was elsewhere. Where was his brain, says the Gemara as follows. One third of the way down, one quarter of the way down. The Pasuk writes that your life is hanging in front of you. That's a person who says, I only have enough money to buy a year's worth of grain. What is the next part of the podcast? The next level of fear is not annual, but it is day and night. That's a person who buys. You're buying for a week at a time, you're buying uh, in, in smaller chunks than a year. What's the next part of the Patsuk? You can't even uh, rely on your own life. That's a person who's taking it from a baker day by day. They don't know what they're eating tomorrow. They woke up in the morning, they went to the store, they bought a loaf of bread. That's all they had for the day. They didn't know what they were gonna to eat tomorrow. So that level is uh, that that's the hardest level to live on when you are when you're eating, it's hand to mouth. So it says the Gemara V'ana, says about himself, V'ana, I'm, that's how I live. I'm only getting my money. I'm only getting my food with the money I have. It's one day at a time. And he says, that's what the pasuk means, so my emotions were all over the map. So he came over and asked me a, a nuanced question in Hilchos Nevela. is the Dhamma of a Neveila less than, he's like, oh, my brain was not there. I was not ready to answer. So, but I kicked him out of the room. I was just like, it was because of me. It was because of him. So he's like, okay, good. But Tachas, can you give me an answer to the shaila? No. He says, the My Kedon, what is halakha? Halacha? Just Tachas, tell me what I'm supposed to do. So hey Rabbi Yoshua Ben, ben Pesora. Rabbi Shubasura says, we saw this come already. Al dam damn Velo he says there's no problem at all. At any shear at any volume, there's no problem with Dam Navela. Um Mahu Tahor. So what does that mean? That it's Tahor. Tahor Mila Hakshir, Halitame Mitameh. Oh, maybe we halitamo it's mitameh. Maybe we shouldn't say that it's Tahor Mamish. Maybe what Rabbi Pesora means is just that it's Tahor Mila Hakshir. That is as one of the seven liquids that can transfer tuma from one item to another, let's say you have an apple that's tahor and another apple that's tahor, and it gets a drop of dam on it. And then the dam touches the two apples, the moisture of the blood between the two, does tuma transfer from one to the other? So that's a good question. So says the Gemara, maybe we should say, it's only tahor mila hakshir, that the blood of a nubeila can't cause for hakshara. However, maybe we should say halitamos mitame. So it's not so pachat like Rabbi Yoshua. Maybe we could explain Rabbi Yoshua differently. Says the Gemara, we learned in another Mishnah the following, that when it comes to the blood of a sheretz, the blood of the sheretz is mitame, just like the meat of the sheretz, okay? Continues this, it can cause tumah, but it is not able to transfer tumah from one item to another. The blood cannot be a machshir. The Ainlanu Kayotsebo, the Ainlanu Kayotsebo. So, Sazgumar, that you were not allowed to have that. So, huh? Kayotsebo, then we're really stuck. Because you wanted to say that our case of dam was like Sherets, namely, that it could cause for Tuma, the liquid of Dom can cause Tuma, but it's not makshir. It can cause Tuma to make you tame, but it doesn't make two fruits. T- it doesn't function as a liquid, as a liquid that's Makhshir. It so says the Gemara, Keshir So What does it mean? Ve'enlanu well, k'yotebo. It just means So It's only talking about shiurim Aval Damo metame kibisaro, bataka. It still is uh, the case. The so Vainaveila, the Dam can be uh, Mitame, like basar, And the uniqueness of the sherets is its sheer of Tuma, which is a much smaller amount than we would have had by a nivela. That's what it meant when it said, Ein lanu There's a Machlokas about this. We don't know exactly what the status is of the, is of the, the Dam of a because uh, we were unclear in the tanaim. We saw two shitas already. One said that it's totally fine and the other says that it's not totally fine. So we're seeing here in the Amorim the same Machlokas. The one who says that the dam of a nevela is problematic is like Rabbi Huda. The one who says that it is tahor is because like Rabbi Yeshua ben just said that it's tahor mamish, like we just saw a few lines ago. Amr le Nuchosa This has to be correct. That Rabbi Huda is the one who holds tameh because Rabbi Huda Morayna Debeinu because Rabbi Yehuda sat on the bezdin in the time of Rabbi. And he was the one who passed in the Shailah about the Pirda, about the uh, about the mule of Rebbe, and he paskin that it was tummy. So now we know that the one here in the Gemara who says tummy must be like the Sheet of Rabbi Yehuda. That was the Amora who was following in line with Rabbi Yehuda. At the two dots, halfway down, getting there, I hope we make it tomorrow. Kol Harokin lo Ben ben Hanina, lo gazra Shibur our Mishnah says that there was a Xera and Rokh. However, we see over here, Lokasra Rokin. So which one is it? it says Gamar, Hitmar Rabbi, Levi, Hayasham. it's true in most of Yerushalayim, there was not a Gzairah but there was a Ghzera in the um, in the in the upper parts of Yerushalayim where they had that uh, that laundromat. Uh, last of the short lines here, Bishary Mosashano, Hat'may, and we we said that the people in throughout the year, the T'main, Mahal and Shibolas. Shibolas here, uh unique use of a word. But in the context of the Gemara, it means that they were walking in the middle of the road. Like we saw in our Mishnah, with a little bit of a different uh, language. Michael, this was to your point. The people who were Tahor, they would walk, they wouldn't say anything about themselves. Anytime someone was Tameh and they came close closer, they said, Get away, we're Tameh. That the Mamash say it out loud. Get away, we're Tameh. You don't want to become Tameh. What about B'Shas HaRegel? During the times of the B'Shas uh, HaRegel, when it was the Gimel of the Shal HaShragalim, HaTohor Mahalchan Shibolas, those who were tar would walk in the middle, B'Tzah, and then at that time, HaTmein Mahalchan Stah, because they, they, they the, the Tmein would just sit there quietly, they were walking on the side, leave me alone, and Lehen Proshu, and if a, a Tame person came over to them, it must have been some indicator, they'd say, Proshu, get away from me. B'chol HaKelam HaNim what is this talking about? We said that there is a din in our Mishnah, the status of Kalim that are found, whether or not they're Tame and Tor. We see here in this price that there was no Gzerah on the Kalim in Yerushalayim, yet our Mishnah seems to say that there was. Answers the Gemara. The fact that it was found specifically on the path that was to the doorway of the uh, Kalim mikvah, that itself was, was problematic enough uh a completely unrelated the gemara shifts gears a perfect pivot to a totally different topic we spoke about this in our mishnah in brief which is that the kalim which are definitely problematic as it relates to tum are ones that are used for burial so it says hayakore there was a the one that's in our mishnah which is referred to as maritza he used to call it as a tziporin my Manda and Shayadoma the it had kind of, it looked like a shovel, like our shovels that we think about, it kind of had like a the shape of a nail, a semicircular, a gentle curvature to look like it looked like a nail. However, Manda Ammar the one who says that it was actually called Maritza, like the ton of our Mishnah, Maritza Sav in the Besak because when they were digging and they would find a, a big rock in the ground, they would use this type of sledgehammer, whatever it was. To, uh, to break this in the basic verse. What about the Kofits? We spoke about this in our Mishnah, about this, uh, the meek <laughs> this is an exact quote. It's very interesting why this is included. Nevertheless, it brings us to Halacha Beis, the last one for the night, and we have to get there in the next nine minutes, which we will. Got we got it. Halacha Beis, two-thirds of the way down. Of course, we know in the Kodesh HaKodashim what separated the Kodesh from the Kodesh HaKodashim in the Holy of Holies. So in the Holy of Holies was the Aaron was the Aron uh, of Abris, And that's in the Kodesh Hakodashim. It was behind the parochas. That was 20 Amos deep. And then for the next 40 Amos, as we saw the other day, we saw that there was a Mizbech HaZahav. We saw that there was a menorah. And we know there were a couple of other kalim that were, that were there. Fine. The Shulchan. So it says the Gemara, what would happen if the parochas got Tameh? Parochas shenitmes. If the parochas became tame, it had, like anything else, it would have to go to the mikvah, and it would also have to wait for Herob Shemesh. It would have to wait out the day to make sure that it would wait until the sun sets, and then the halakhic status of tuma would fall away from the parochas. So the Gemara makes two different case scenarios here. Parochas shenitmes b'vlad ha hatuma. We've seen this language before. What's a vlad ha The child of tuma, namely, a the Natuma. It's not an Avatumma. It's something that, like, let's say an Avatumma touched it and it became that. Now it's a Rishon Natuma. So if the parochas is a the tumma, what do we do? Says the Gemara, first line of the Mishnah. In halacha bay, is, you can wash it even in that room. You can put it in a mikveh, even in that room. In you can hang it right back up because it's only a the tumma. It's not really... Rishon the tumah, these are dine De Rabbanon, but Raisa, the only tumah that we're talking about is an avatumah. This wasn't an Abatuma. so because it was only a vladatumah, rishon the tumah, therefore you can put it in the mikvah there and you can put it right back up. What if in fact the parochas became tummy with an avatumah? So then the halacha is different. Then makbila no you have to take it out of the mikdash entirely. You have to wash it outside. and you would lay it outside in a place that's outside the Azara, outside of the mikdash area, because it had to be somewhere where it had to uh, where it had to wait because shehitzrichah We had to wait until the sunset in order after the mikvah in order for this kli for this parocha to become tahor yet again. Third line of the mishnah. Meisa when it was a new one, there was a Zerad Ravanna that every new parochas also had to be brought to the mikvah. So the was brand new then al Al They would lay it on, basically on a top public area and people would could see it from afar and it was gorgeous. So they wanted to show it off. malach Get a new paroches. You want to show it to everyone. So when they made a new parochist uh, and they made, they made two every year, when they would make a new paroches, they would, uh, before they would Use it. They would stick it in the mikveh, and then, while well, it was drying, they would show it to everyone to let it dry out in public. The fourth line of the Mishnah: Rashbag, Mishrim, Ben Askan, Paroches, Ovia Tefach. The thickness of the Paroches was a Tefach. You have to understand what that means: solid thread, four inches thick. I mean, that is a very thick garment. That's uh, no even no carpeting is like that. That's extremely thick, extremely heavy. And we'll see at the end of the Mishnah how heavy it was there were um, 72 layers of fabric of thin layers of thread. It's like 72 levels of weaving. It's a lot of uh, a lot of material. Kaftal and according to some as we'll see others in the Gemara that each thread was 24 and 24 strings thick. mem, ama. The uh, length and width was 40 uh, tall by 20 wide. 82 Rebo, 82 times 10,000. So 820,000 Heisenazis. It was made out of 820,000 Machlokes. It's talking about threads. It's talking about money. Whatever it is, uh, the Gemara is going to refer to this as a Guzma momentarily, that this is just an extremely large number. Why did they pick this number? Good uh, for the them to explain. But nevertheless, it's a very large uh, large investment. It was a very expensive uh, a very expensive uh, parochas uh, they'd make two every year so it took 300 people to carry now we know from shots we've seen this 15 20 times already the number 300 is used regularly when being exaggerative so lav davka that actually took 300 people one of them a shimir actually made a of how many linear there were around and they said that a 300 and could get both of their hands on it, but only if you held that an ama was six tfachim, like the mamash got down to the nitty-gritties. Nevertheless, it's probably just a, just a hyperbole. The Gemara opens, <speaking in Hebrew> When it says chut, it means one string, kafel double means two strings, and the word shazur would mean the shlosha, and mashzar, which means a tw- like a mix of all of them is L'shisha, uh, six of them. Okay, well, there was four m- materials. There was Tchemlis, Tolash, uh, Shani, These were the four things that the parochist was made out of. And if each one had four, so that's much to our it's six times four is 24. Mikan, Ha, Esrim, Good, that's how you get to 24. However, another bryce says that our Mishnah, which says 24, wasn't really right. Each thread was not 24 thick. Another bryce says it was actually 32 thick. What was their math? I've there was one strain, The word chut means one. Couple means two. Shazra means le'arba, some type of braid means four. Mushzar means le'shmona. So if mushzar is the final product, which we know that it is, that it was this type of uh, type of sophisticated braid, and if it was le'shmona, and you have the same four contents of thread of treilas argamotolashani the sheish, these four different kinds of thread, so eight times four in the train. That's thirty-two. Good. So they, that's how he figured out. That's how this price to figure out that it was 32 thick. And the Gemara presents yet another option. the Shmona. according to some, it wasn't 24 and it wasn't 32. It was 48 strings thick, unbelievably thick. Ilu amar If the word means echad, khapul shnein means double, so it's two. The word kli as a braid minimum for a braid is three. shazor is lashisha, and mashar is the So the Maszar is multiplied again. It's going to be 12 times 4. Basically, there was a lot of thread going on here. It was very expensive and it was very, very heavy. Um, and it took a lot of people to total it. Then there's a machlokez about what the Psukim meant so when it says maaseh rokim and Ma'ase choshev. Two different languages that are used by the paroches, and the gemara is going to detail what this discussion is. It says the gemara, omer So how do we know? It's a rokim, it's embroidery, maaseh choshev that was made with artistry. So maaseh rokim parts of According to the one who says that it's maaseh rokim, how do we define that? The word rokim means Parts of Echad, it was like a profile, a picture of a, of, of an, of a face of an animal, maybe a lion, we'll see in a minute. Maise Choshev, what does that mean? Shnei partsufos. that it had two, it had uh, both sides of the face, possibly one on each side of the parochas. this is the machlok. or Rokim, Arimikan ve Arimikan, you might see in your Gemara the gears has flipped. Um, so I'm just reading what I have here in, in the, in the Oz Bahadur. But Chad Amar means that on each side there was a half-profile face of a lion. Maisachoshev mikan. But mais khoshev, according to this first approach, is that where, where you might see an animal profile on one side and vihalak smooth, nothing on the other side. The Kharna, the other person, Omar, he says, no, it's the opposite. My <laughs> he reverses them and says that the embroider, was only on one side, not on both. Chalak on the other side. My <laughs> And according to my <laughs> there was a lion on one side and a nesher, an eagle, on the other side. So these are we don't know. Well, when it's Shem, a vulture. Yes, we'll be able to. Nesher is a vulture. Shem, I'm so sorry, I <laughs> just have to catch Marv literally 60 seconds left to finish, and then I'm happy to take a question afterwards. What does it mean with 820,000 it was purchased or made? This number is not meant to be taken literally, it's just meant to be a, a guzma, an exaggerative idea to show how special it was. And over there we also learned Aleish kishlosh me'os kor that there were three hundred core, That's a massive unit of measure of the dachen of the ashes by the bezemek. We saw this in Masechet summit as well. Reb Yosi be Reb Yoon b'shem Shmuel Guzma. This too was exaggerative. Mir to Shem tomorrow night we'll pick up in Halacha Gimel the bottom of Kafal phase. Maya starts in forty seven. Right. Nesher is, is a vulture, not an eagle. Nesher is a vulture, not an eagle. Oh, I didn't know that. How a Nesher yeah. was it's a vulture. We grew grew up with Eagle, too. Well, I don't know.